Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. That's amazing. I I tell you, in the video that we just saw, uh, a a really gifted artist used his ability to paint a picture that looked so real, so real that it was difficult to distinguish between the pic and the real deal. And if we're not careful, we've been learning about our gifts, we've been learning about uh, the things that God placed in us to, to, to build his kingdom and to minister to others. But if we're not careful, we can allow our gifts and our talents and our abilities to, uh, and our personalities to craft a picture that our lives can't back up with substance. Okay? Uh, this, this artist was super gifted and painted a picture, but when he went to reach for the substance, he couldn't pick up that which was just presented to be real. All right? So um, uh, what the world needs to see is the real deal. The world needs a real deal church, not a church that paints a good picture, but a church that is a tangible representation of Jesus Christ in the earth. Do I have a witness in the house today that believes that's true? The church, uh, the world just doesn't need a a, a carbon copy of, of pretty pictures, but we want to produce real disciples that can make real difference in a real world as we serve a real God. Do you believe you serve a real God tonight? Yes. We believe that our God is omnipotent. He has all power. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is real, and he has a real purpose for his body. And so instead of taking the, the effort and the, the energy to paint a picture that looks like the real thing, why don't we just become the real thing? He gives his Holy Spirit as a gift to anyone who will receive it. We believe that we can be the real deal. Turn to somebody and say, I want to be the real deal. I want to real, be the real deal. So if that's what the world needs, then, then how will the world know the difference? Jesus said in John chapter 15 that he's the vine and we are the branches. The proof of that is in the fruit that we bear. John 15 verse 8, it says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. You see, the world will know. The world will know whether we're the real deal or not once they taste the fruit of our lives. But there has to be fruit. There has to be substance. There has to be something for the world to reach out and touch and know that there's something authentic happening in that moment. And so if Jesus tells us that he's the vine and and we're the branches and that we have to produce fruit in order to, to, to prove that that's the case, then where does this fruit come from? Well, I'm glad you asked. It comes from the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Anybody in the house got the Holy Spirit? Oh, we're a Spirit-filled church. We believe it. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22. We'll start there. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. So if we want to be the real deal, we've got to have the Holy Spirit. If we want to be the real deal, we don't just have to have the Holy Spirit, but we need to walk in the Spirit. The Bible says in that same chapter of Galatians chapter 5 that the flesh and the Spirit are at odds with each other all the time. And in order for us not to fulfill the lust of the flesh, 
We have to walk in the Spirit. We have to allow the Spirit to have its way in our lives so that the fruit that He's growing in us can manifest and be used for His glory. Does anybody want to glorify the Lord? Praise the Lord. That's what we want to do. And so let's talk about these fruits, or let's talk about this fruit, because if you you look, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is comprised of these things. These are not separate fruits that, that manifest as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. No, this is the fruit of the Spirit comprised of several parts, several components. So as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit tonight, uh, you'll see that some hang on others. You'll see that uh, we have a core element and that the rest of the fruit is attached, that they all work together to display what the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of the believer. And so let's start tonight with numero uno, love. Somebody say love. Love, love. Love is an active display of selflessness. It's the selfless giving and and devoted part of our lives. It's an active display, and and it, it compels us to put others' needs above our own And love honors others and and celebrates truth no matter how difficult it is to hear. As a matter of fact, if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, it tells us what love is. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It is not easily angered. It is not easily angered. (laughs) I think somebody in 2021 needs to hear, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So we see the selflessness that comes from love being in our lives. Love is patient, not with oneself, with other folks. It's kind, not to oneself, but to other folks. It's, it, it doesn't envy. We're not talking about being envious of yourself. We're talking about other people. It honors others. It doesn't dishonor others. We don't dishonor God because we love God. We don't dishonor others because we love other people. What did Jesus say when they asked him what the greatest commandment was? He said, well, the first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your strength. He said, the second one is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourselves. He said, everything else hangs on these two laws. Love is the anchor. As the song says, love is the key. But we find that Love is selfless. Every description of love here is selfless. It doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. That's something that we also can look at because it can be difficult to celebrate the truth when it, conf- when it confronts our desires or preferences, right? Or when maybe it points out some shortcomings in our lives. Love always rejoices in the truth, even when the truth hurts. Do you believe that tonight? And so, uh, 1 Corinthians says that uh, love rejoices with the truth, but we have to remember that the truth brings freedom. And if we love God and we love people, then we want the people that we're connected to and ourselves to walk in truth because we want the people we're connected to to be free. That means your loved ones, even if the truth hurts, 
Sometimes you got to tell them because you love them. You want them to be free. The truth shall make you free. Even if you have to hear something that you don't want to hear, you can hear it in love because the truth shall make you free. So even when the truth hurts, we can celebrate the freedom that truth brings. I'm going to say that again. Even when the truth hurts, we can celebrate the freedom that truth brings. That's what love does. That's why love can always rejoice in the truth. It gives, it gives of itself even when it doesn't feel like it. Love doesn't fluctuate based on emotion. Love is hopeful. It's persevering. It's trusting. It isn't threatened or influenced by hatred. So now, the love that we have for our neighbors, it's not threatened by the hatred that they may show back to us. The love that we have towards our neighbors also isn't influenced by the hatred that may be shown back to us. Because love, it always perseveres. Regardless of the opposition, regardless of what we're getting back from it, love always perseveres. It never fails. Love isn't influenced by hatred, apathy, self-preservation, or the like. The love that you show doesn't change because you want to continue to look good. The love that you show doesn't change because maybe your reputation is at stake. No, the love that we show is constant because God's reputation is at stake. Because we have to show that God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. And so like we said, this fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, it's interconnected, and we'll find that, that a lot of these components hang on this anchor, this core. Everybody say love. love. The next fruit that we see is joy. Now, joy is an unwavering state of delight in God. It's an unwavering state of delight in God. When I say unwavering, I mean unshakable, unmoving. When you've got an unwavering state of delighting in God, that means that your emotions can't overcome or take away your joy. We used to sing a song coming up in church. It, it said, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. Oh, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. Y'all act like y'all don't know it. I'm just, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, and the world can't. The world can't take it away. My situation can't take it away. My struggle can't take it away because my delight is in God. My delight isn't in things. My delight isn't in what I have. My delight isn't in what I can lose. My delight is in something that can't be taken away from me. And so that means if my job goes, my joy stays. That means if my children go, my joy stays. That means if my coworkers go, my joy stays. That means if my bank account goes, my my joy stays because my delight is not in things or in people, but my delight is in the one that is constant and unchanging. But that only happens. That only happens. That only, 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 only materializes in your life when the Holy Spirit is active in your life. He's bringing forth this fruit. It's his strength that allows us to walk in that type of unwavering delight in God. 
It's delighting in God and choosing to rejoice in all things. Philippians 4 and 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This doesn't mean that we're always in a good mood or that we're always walking around with a smile on our, on our face per se, but we can remain in an unexplainable place of contentment. Again, if I'm broke on the outside, I'm not broke on the inside because I know that I've got a God that doesn't change. My joy, my delight is in him. And so when you have joy, this is when people can speak the words of 2 Corinthians verses, uh, or chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We've got all of this going on around us, but it can't steal what I have on the inside. It starts out talking about that in this earthen vessel, there's a treasure that can't be taken away. That's why I know that I know I can keep my joy. Joyful people don't allow misery, sorrow, sadness, or despair to rule their thoughts or guide their actions. The joy of the Spirit allows you to be Spirit-governed instead of emotionally governed. Because, again, where is your delight? Your delight is in God the one that'll never leave you nor forsake you. I don't know why we're spending so much time on joy tonight, but I believe the joy of the Lord is your strength. I believe the joy of the Lord is your strength, and I believe uh, that there are people in this room and all over this nation that the enemy is trying to knock you down and tell you that you don't have the joy that you have. He's trying to make you emotionally unstable. He's trying to make you busted and disgusted and feeling bad about yourself and anxious and all of these things, but I come to tell you tonight that no matter what is leaving from your life, no matter what is breaking in your life, no matter what's coming against you in your life, as long as as your delight is in a God that doesn't change, your state of joy does not have to change. And that joy will strengthen you to not be overcome by the waves and the storms of your life. Somebody say, I've still got joy. Come on, somebody say, I've still got joy. I believe it. I believe it tonight. I believe it. Hurt people hurt people because of a lack of joy. You've heard that said before. Hurt people hurt people. But hurt people hurt people because that which hurt them was greater than that which they were holding on to, that which they were delighting in. Joyful people are able to navigate life beyond their pain without being destructive towards others because their pain doesn't control them. My brother, my sister, hold on to your joy. That's why the Word of God tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We're strengthened beyond our emotions when God's joy is present. And the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy, pleasures at his right hand forevermore. The next fruit that we look at, and I'm trying to move quickly because there's nine of these. <laughs> Bless God. <laughs> peace. Everybody say peace. peace. Peace is a deep confidence that God is who he is and that he will do what he says he will do. We're talking about the real deal here. We're talking about people that first and foremost believe that God is the real deal. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is. That he is. And if God is, then God is who he says he is. If God is, then God is who he says he is. Because God cannot lie. God cannot lie 
fail. God cannot, cannot contradict himself. And so if God is, and you believe that, anybody in the house believe God is? Come on, online, do you believe God is? Why don't you type yeah if you believe that God is? Then you can believe that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do, which means that guess what you've got? Peace. You've got peace. You've got peace. Because if an omnipotent God spirit is in us, then nothing can overwhelm us because nothing can overcome him. If an omnipotent God's spirit is in us, then nothing can overwhelm us. Why? Because nothing can overcome him. We can have peace in knowing that he is and that he'll do what he said he will do. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses six, verse 6, that the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Somebody say, I've got peace. Because I've got God. Amen. Let's look at the next fruit, patience, patience. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. This is what the real deal church looks like. This is what people who really trust in an unwavering God looks like. This is what people who have the spirit of God on the inside of them and a peace that surpasses understanding This is what it looks like, that when trouble comes, when when delay comes, when suffering comes, I can go through it without getting all bent out of shape, without looking like I I I have just everything crumbling around me, because I can wait on the Lord. And they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When we wait on the Lord, when we have patience, when we allow him to work his plan, we can do it without getting angry or upset. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Okay, so now we see them starting to work together, right? We've got joy and we've got patience working together. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's exhibiting calmness during the midst of stressful situations. It's showing empathy towards others when they're not doing things to our standard. Oh, my goodness, waiting on God is one thing, but waiting on my kids is a whole nother. (laughs) Waiting on God, that's one thing, but waiting on my spouse, that's... that's... Because if I'm this spiritual, I mean, I figure they should be somewhere close. You know, I did things the right way. I'm not, uh, you know, unequally yoked or anything. You know, that's, <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> you know. But, but patience, patience, waiting on God sometimes means waiting on God to do what he's going to do in somebody else. <laughs> So that means that I have to be tolerant towards my child who's acting crazy and just allow God to do what he's going to do. Yep. Now, what the world means by tolerance is acceptance. They, they want us to accept sin, accept everything, accept et cetera, accept et cetera. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about 
is not giving up and throwing in the towel because it seems like it's taking too long for things to change. And so I can tolerate this process. I can withstand the, the process that I'm going through to see the expected end that God is victorious and that God is saving my child, that God is saving my spouse, that God is saving the coworker that I've been praying for, that God is fighting my battles for me, that God is going before me and who can be, I'm, I'm, I'm believing and I can trust through that process and not throw in the towel. Somebody say patience. Woo! He said, let it have its perfect work in us. Patience perfects us. It matures us. It helps us to become all that God has called us to be. It's, it's also not getting easily disgruntled when delay occurs uh, that won't matter in 10 years, let alone in 10 days. Amen. I've been there. Just, just getting all upset about something that tomorrow isn't even going to matter. It's, 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 it's being able to, uh, to go after the important instead of the urgent. You remember the story of Nehemiah and the wall? How he was called to build the wall around the city and, and, and they tried to, to distract him with all of these urgent things, but he was steadfast in doing that which was important. Patience. Patience. Rest in the Lord, Psalms 37, verse 7 says, and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Don't worry about all that. God's got it under control. Wait for God to do what he's going to do, and you do what you're going to do, and that's wait on him. Somebody say amen. amen. Kindness, kindness. We've got, I think it's like six more. Blessed Savior. Kindness, kindness. Kindness is the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. So we're still seeing how these work together to form the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, to make us the real deal, right? Uh, patience and joy, they work together, and peace, that works together, right? Kindness, it hangs on, on love so closely and so easily. It's the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. You show me a mean-spirited Christian, and I'll show you somebody that needs to run to the altar. I'm just saying, like, mean Christian? Mean Christian? Like, how does that go together? That's like not good mofongo. Like, it, you know, not tasty fried pork chops. Like, no, it doesn't work, okay? Mean-spirited, mean-spirited Christians need to allow this, the Spirit of God to, to, to work in their lives so that they don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The work of the flesh, that's, that's jealousy, that's malice, that's, that's envy, that's all of that stuff that causes us to be mean and rude and, and inconsiderate and all of that kind of stuff. That's, that's the flesh. But remember, the flesh and the spirit are, are at odds with each other all the time. And so in order to make sure that the, spirit, that the flesh doesn't get its way, we have to walk in the spirit so that the spirit can produce its fruit from our lives. This is the fruit of the spirit. That means it trumps, it trumps our flesh. And so when we get to the point where we talk about, well, there's certain people that I can't get along with. I just, I just don't get along with certain. No, 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 no. 
No. No, because uh, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever, the annoying people, the, the backbiters, the gossipers, uh, the adulterers, the, the drug addicts, the whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so if Jesus shows that kind of love to whosoever, then how could we not show that kind of love to whosoever? No, it's not about who you can gel with and who you can't gel with. Just because you can't gel, some, gel with somebody doesn't mean you have to disrespect him. Just because you can't, you can't gel with somebody or agree with somebody on a topic or on a thing or, or on this and that doesn't mean that you have to talk bad to them or about them. That's not kindness. And the fruit of the Spirit that comes, that, that, that's being uh, generated in us through the Holy Spirit will cause us to be able to show this without respect of persons to everyone that we come in contact with. That's how good the Holy Spirit is. And anybody believe that our God is that powerful? That he's powerful enough to keep you from acting a fool at work. That's because we got some real deal Christian folk up in the house on today. You know what I'm talking about? So, kindness. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17 says, Those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. Uh, the word tells us, don't, don't get it twisted. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, whatever he sows, that's what he's going to get back. Not because of the universe not because of karma, not because of any new age stuff, not because of any of that, but because God said it. You sow kindness, you get kindness. If you're cruel, if you're mean-spirited, the Bible's telling us right here, it's going to bring ruin to your life. Who wants ruin? None of us do. But it's the Holy Spirit that's going to produce that in our lives. Goodness. Goodness is integrity and aversion towards sin. Goodness is integrity and aversion towards sin. As a matter of fact, when you've got goodness working in your life, uh, you can't be comfortable in sin. When you've got goodness working in your life, you can't be comfortable around sin. It's interesting because when you've got goodness working in your life, people in sin will be uncomfortable around you. Right? I mean, I went to the barbershop today, and I, I've got a good brother, a good spirit-filled brother that was cutting my hair today. And uh, one of the other barbers was just watching something on, on the, the, the TV that just was not wholesome. Uh, <laughs> and so my brother <laughs> that was there, I, I, can, I could feel it in his, I could feel it on him. He was like, dude, he tried to get him to change the channel. He was like, hey, can we watch this? He was like, no, I don't want to watch this, this gangster stuff, man. You know, and the other barber just would not let it go. And I could see how uncomfortable he was. He could see how uncomfortable I was. We were uncomfortable together because there's goodness in our life. We can't just be around all of that craziness and all of that sin and, and all that. We just can't. And, and it makes other people. That's why when you go to the party, your, 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 your relatives get a little. Uh, here she come. Y'all turn, turn it down and like, go on and put that stuff away. Like, you, you know how it is because we've got some real deal Christians in this house. 
We've got some real deal folks that'll shine a light in dark places. Goodness. James 3, verse 13, it says, uh, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. It's wise to let goodness have its way in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's go to faithfulness. We've got, we've got three more. We can do it. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is being dependable in our relationship with God and others. Faithfulness is being dependable in our relationship with God and others. It's choosing to be true to our word and following through with our promises. Faithfulness, amen. I, woo, I know you'd be in there on worship too, whoever you are, but I, I, I know it. It's, it. It possesses a constancy, devotedness, fidelity, a steadfastness in all of its interactions not just with God, but also with man. How can we say that we, that we, that we love God and we're, we're being true to God, but, but nobody can depend on a word you say. You say, I'm going to go left, and you, all the way on the other side. Like, like no, that's, that's not what faithfulness, faithfulness looks like. Uh, faithful people are not disloyal, nor are they uh, flippant uh, uh, with their commitments, all right? So, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, the Lord, uh, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Galatians verse six, uh, 6, verse 9, says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Somebody say, Stay faithful. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And check, check out what happens. He says, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. He says, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. This is something that I talk about with worship leaders and, and people that, that serve in church, that when you are faithful to God, your reward is tied to your faithfulness. If you can just stick it out, if you can just not give up, if you can keep on going, if you can persevere, God's got something on the other side of your labor. God's got something on the other side of your steadfastness. God's got something on the other side of your faithfulness. He will not leave your faithfulness unrewarded, but that faithfulness comes from the Holy Spirit working its way in our lives. Everybody say gentleness. gentleness. Gentleness is allowing God to deal with others so that we don't have to take matters into our own hands. That's a great way to look at gentleness, right? Because that's not what you expected to hear. You expected to hear meekness and, and, uh, and uh, you expected to hear, you know, uh, serenity and, and all that kind of stuff. And all of that's included, okay? Gentleness includes being calm, serene, and tranquil. But being gentle doesn't mean someone is weak. Quite the opposite. It takes great strength to be gentle when the flesh wants to do the opposite. Somebody that grew up in the hood knows that it takes some great strength to hold your peace and let the Lord fight your back. Somebody, somebody that's been on Facebook this week knows that it takes some great strength to, to hold your peace and let the Lord, to be gentle, to not reply the way that you want to reply. Because the way that you want to reply doesn't represent Christ very well. 
gentleness. It's, 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 it's a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Philippians uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 5 says, it says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. He hears you when you go off. <laughs> He's also there when you repent for going said off. Self-control. Self-control is the ability to keep oneself in check. People used to say this, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. And it's interesting that that, that, that popular, that, that saying became so popular because Proverbs chapter 25 verse 28 says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Now when you have no self-control, it's as if you have no walls, you've been broken into, and there's plenty of leeway for the enemy to just enter into your life. Just come and take what he wants. Come and do what he wants to do. That's what happens when we have a lack of self-control. Lack of self-control generally leaves you uncovered and provides an avenue for the enemy to enter most times because you're simply out of the will of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4 says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, set apart for his glory, and that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. It's, it's, it's maybe time for us to stop making excuses and believe that God is, some, is supposed to do something for us that he expects us to do to honor him. What am I saying? Some of, us pray, some of us pray like this. God, God, just stop me from doing this. Stop me from, from, from being this way. Stop, stop me, Lord. Just next time I go to pick it up, just, just wipe it away. Don't, don't, don't let me. And God is saying, I, I understand, but I'm placing something on the inside of you that will empower you not to let yourself. That will empower you to make the decisions that you need to make to honor me. That's what God does. That's what, that's what this whole new life thing is about. That's this whole old things are passed away and behold, all things become brand new. The desires that you used to have, you don't have them anymore because you've chosen to say, Jesus, your Lord because you've chosen to say, I want your will for my life over my own. But it's a choice that, that you have to make. It's a choice that, 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 that you made. If you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then, then, yeah, salvation is yours. Even at the moment of confessing who Christ is, you have to take control and say, you know what? I'm, I'm not the enemy's puppet anymore. I'm not, I'm not this vice's puppet anymore. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not controlled by this, no. I'm taking control of my life. And what am I saying by I'm taking control of my life? Andy Minio, I think it is, uh, that said this, that in order to take control, you first have to be able to give up control. And so you say, Lord Jesus, you be the Lord of my life. 
You're Lord. I'm following your word. I'm following your will for my life. And what does he do? He places something on the inside of you, his Holy Spirit, so that you can remain in control of your desires, of your flesh. You can say, you know, today I'm, I'm, I'm not dealing with that. I'm walking in the Spirit. The flesh is going to lose. Paul said, I die to myself daily. It's a choice. It's a choice. But it's a choice that the Holy Spirit will empower you to make. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.